Coming up with a Kevin Durant situation well in the rearview mirror, the Brooklyn Nets focus on bolstering their championship caliber roster. In doing so, they bring in one of the Morris twins, Mark Keefe, joining the Brooklyn Nets on a one-year deal. We break down what that means from a depth perspective if there is an identity that we can start to think about around this Brooklyn Nets roster and the key areas that Sean Marks and this organization need to improve behind their superstar talent. It's all coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm, of course, Adam Armbrecht covering the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy, Andy Mack, breaking down all by my lonesome with no Doug Norrie, owner-operator DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. DraftKings FanDuel, he's got you covered. Letting you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online with more lines, props, and odds than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. We thank you for making us your first listen today, free on all those great platforms. And friends, we're talking roster construction. We're finally able to have this conversation around the Brooklyn Nets, and we've said this a couple of times already, that focuses in on what this team can be now on the basketball court. And you're already seeing people that want to catch a little bit of that, that wave on the articles and what could happen. We talked about it with our crossover with the glue guys. What do we ultimately think will become of this season? But the reality is that on paper, you got to like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and what this team can theoretically be. By the way, if you're listening on the podcast, I'll describe it to you. If you're watching on YouTube, we can finally bring this bad boy back out. My little Kevin Durant, little Kevin Durant pop figurine that I had to basically put away into storage this offseason. Too timid, too sh- too scared, excuse me, to even bring him out. When I bought that, by the way, when I purchased that, I was I was looking at those Kyrie ones, there was James Harden ones. That felt like I didn't know which way was up. But Kevin Durant was the one guy that I said, no matter what happens here in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant's going to be a fixture. And then I got freaked out for a while. <laughs> then I got ultra scared, but thankfully it all worked out. So now uh, our, our podcast mascot can return to glory and fame here. But, but already as people are starting to talk about what if it doesn't work out, would the Nets trade Kevin Durant, the deadline? Listen, we've already gone through seasons of, of wanting things to go well and then having things take a bad turn, whether it's through injuries, whether it's through all the other nonsense we've talked about. All I want to focus on is what this team can be on the court. And already we're seeing now in the wake of putting all of that ugliness behind us and Kevin Durant and the front office coming together and saying, let's play some basketball. You start to think about this roster and how they're going to improve it. How are they going to make themselves a better team, a deeper team this year than they were the previous season? Enter one Markeith Morris. As I said, one half of the Morris twins. This is a guy who obviously was with the Lakers winning a championship a couple of years ago. He's a veteran, 33 years old, but the the biggest piece, we can talk about the fact that he's a guy who averages 17 minutes, I think is about where we want to go ahead and put him on, on the old curve here for his career. Maxed out years, a handful of years ago 
was giving you upwards of 20. Did it for the did it for Toronto, but was with Detroit the same year, was with the Lakers the same year. By the time he gets to the Lakers, he's playing 14 minutes, plays 19 with the Lakers 2020-2021, and then with Miami last year playing 17 minutes. And I like the 17 minutes. This is a guy who's a career 11 point per game, and he's running out there for over on his career almost 25 minutes. I don't think it's going to hit that kind of number. But more than anything, when you talk about it from a couple angles, the first angle is what does it mean for this team? Team needs to get longer and needs to get stronger. Needs to be a little bit more physical. So you can go out and get a veteran, and I'm not gonna we're not gonna overstate what Morris can be, but 6'9, 245 pounds, closer to being a small ball five than a power forward at this point of his career. But you like that. You like that you give yourself an opportunity for someone that brings a little bit of an identity to this team. I'm going to say that Markeith Morris is going to be as much about the attitude that he brings as anything else that he gives you. And and that's not to diminish what he's going to do for them on the court and what he does for them from a depth perspective. I immediately sit here and plug him in as the rotational backup behind, let's say, Nicholas Claxton starting at the five. Let's say it's going to be Ben Simmons or it's going to be Kevin Durant or it's going to be player X. I don't care. Anywhere four or five positionless basketball, you can rotate him in and know that you're getting a guy that brings a physicality and brings a dependability, specifically even on the defensive side of the ball, underneath the boards from a rebounding perspective as well. I'm not going to worry about what he does uh, from the perimeter. He's never been particularly great from the outside. He's a career what? Talk about it. 34% from deep. And listen, as we say, sometimes these guys, and what did he peak out at? 30, almost 40% back in 1920 with Detroit when he was averaging. But again, he's only averaging eh, four attempts per game there. Maybe that sees a little bump, as we always like to say. When you're playing around superstar talent, you like to think that those areas can improve for you a little bit. But I just like having somebody, that, I don't know, get a little dirty for you, right? Get in somebody's face a couple of times. I think that that's important. And if we consider the idea, let's just focus on the defensive side of the ball first and foremost here, because I also want to talk a little bit about uh, the other guy they brought in. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Yuto Watanabe, but I will just uh, we'll look at that 15-man roster and have a discussion about training camp and what else the Nets might do here. But if you think that Ben Simmons brings this defensive intensity, this defensive versatility, and then you think that, that opens up, as we discussed over these last couple of weeks, Nicholas Claxton's versatility on that end of the floor, letting him kind of refine his game into a specific role, that's what Markeith Morris brings for you. He affords people to play down into their better pocket, and that even includes, as you're rotating through coming off the bench, a guy like Kevin Durant, and saying, let's always get you into a better matchup on the defensive end, and let's always create some really difficult decisions for the defense when you are on the offensive end. Because now all of a sudden, when you look at this rotation, and we'll flesh this out a little bit here in a couple of minutes, but when you look at the rotation and you think about having 6'9 Markeith Morris, then you throw in along with that guys that are going to be giving you length like Ben Simmons, a guy like Kevin Durant that we already know, Nicholas Claxton asking him to do less scoring, less anything offensively, although we know there's going to be some congestion there around Ben Simmons. Even with a Royce O'Neal, who is not that lengthy size guy, but TJ Warren is going to be in camp here, a little bit of length, right? Moving 
potentially getting Joe Harris in there closer to a guard position on the court with these other pieces, as opposed to playing up at a forward position. And then while he has size relative to Seth Curry, it still puts these difficult mismatches. Now just the switchability and being able to stay in front of guys gets a little bit stronger. I like the addition of it again at 33 years old. I'm not going to overstate it. We've had these experiences with veteran players like Blake Griffin. We've had these experience with LaMarcus Aldrich, and I'm not putting them all into the same bucket. However, you do have to reasonably set the bar of expectation around what the ceiling is for these guys. And the reason why I say something like it's as much about the attitude and mentality and what he can what he can bring from that standpoint when we're talking about Markeith Morris, Raptor rating means nothing in the drop of a hat. But Markeith Morris has only been, the last time he was a plus defensive player, by Raptor rating standards, was 15-16 with the Wizards. Also had a plus, oh, sorry, in 16-17 as well there. Outside of that, he's a negative impact guy on the offensive end. Not a liability, but certainly like what, what, I, what I always look at with a guy like this or any of the players that the Nets have had this offseason. That's why a little bit of this theme is not just about Morris, but also about the philosophical approach to this year. Let's be a little bit more athletic. And again, Markeith Morris is getting older. He's, he's losing that athleticism. And also, the Nets didn't have any of it. So anything that you do, like when you think back to a Blake Griffin, when you think back to a LaMarcus Aldridge, it's all an improvement in that vein. So that's why I like the addition of him. Fleshes out this depth. And something we're going to talk about when Doug and I get on here a little bit later in the week. Uh, he threw up, Doug did, just a, a very, he said, going to evolve, going to change. And this is pre-Markeith Morris signing, laid out some of the minute shares for the Nets roster and rotation. I think he even said there was a possibility for about a Markeith Morris size pocket of minutes to get in there. But we're going to talk about how those things flesh out later in the week. Coming up here in a second, though, I want I, I want to touch on because Doug and I were talking about this, this through a couple of texts. The U, the uh, the Yuta Watanabe signing, bringing him into camp. He's just in camp. He's below the 15 man mark, you know, mark here. There's not a high expectation that he makes it. And yet. I'm curious just to have the discussion around this and also touch on a couple other news and notes involving one Joe Harris and where that perspective maybe lies. Now, again, clarity around Kevin Durant affords clarity around everything else on the roster. Before we do that, though, my friends, you know, we got to tell you about our, our other friends. You're our friends. They're our friends. We're all friends. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all the pro and college football betting needs and sporting information this season. Now, that's college football that we're telling you about over there. But I did tap my toe into the waters. They mentioned pro. They mentioned NFL. I'm over there. I'm hunting around. Listen, guys, maybe I am a bit of a homer, and I want to tap into the New York football giants taking on those Tennessee Titans at plus 215. They are also getting a little over five points at this at this little current juncture. Shock the world. Big week one victory on the road for the New York football giants. You're darn right. You could also play it a little bit safer if you want to. Maybe lay some money with the Packers over top of the Vikings. I'm not going to all of a sudden lock into that, though. A lot of growing to do for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and a new, a lot of veteran heavy, a lot of inexperienced rookies in that wide receiving core. No more Devontae Adams. Matter of fact, plus 105, give me the Vikings. Bottom line is, guys, you get over there, you know that you are going to see, whether it's on your website, whether it's on your mobile device, you can learn more about all the trends in action on Bet Online, which is where the game starts. And where we start now to turn our page then. I said, Nets philosophy um heading into camp 
So the other guy that got added to this roster was Yuta Watanabe, uh, played for uh, the Toronto Raptors the last couple of years. I'm trying to remember if he played anywhere before Toronto. Memphis, came in with Memphis. That's I knew there was something there. Here's why I find it interesting. This is less maybe about him and more just about this roster and what the expectations are. The last couple of years, though, for uh, Watanabe, 14 minutes, 14 and a half minutes, 12 minutes this past year, 50 and 30 games respectively, only started four in each season. The stat line of you know giving you four points and what? Three, two and a half, three total rebounds, right? Not really earth shattering. However, the thing that I'll point out about him is kind of the same thing that I'm pointing out about a guy like Markeith Morris, someone who is far more accomplished and arguably is going to play a more critical role for the Brooklyn Nets. But I like that this guy took two triples per game and knocked down 35 to 40%. It's a small sample size. I went over and I took a look at Watanabe's uh, scouting report. 6'8", get him at 6'9 on some some locations, but 6'8", 2'215", played out of George Washington. What I thought was interesting is when you go over like through his pro, and he's 26, 27 years old now, but an adequate shooter, especially from the mid-range, adequate scorer off the dribble, excel scoring on the move, good free throw shooter, free throw shooter, excuse me, decent playmaker, decent defensive player, good shot blocker for his size, better than advertised athlete. All those things, right? Decent, decent, adequate, adequate, you know, okay. It's all kind of this bland descriptives around a player like this on the negative side is that he is not necessarily a dynamic athlete and that he does struggle to, to uh, guard against some of the quicker, smaller players, especially when you get into switches, but, and he came out old. I think he's only been in the league four years and he's already sitting there at 27, almost he's 28 years old, basically at this point, but he is six, eight, six, nine. And when I tap over into the Nets roster right now, and you just think about this hierarchy. I did get a little bit curious that he's in camp and we're talking about run down the list with me, right? 15 players, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Nicholas Claxton, Seth Curry, veteran Patty Mills. And then you get the rookies now second year players in cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, uh, Kessler Edwards to go along with now Markeith Morris and TJ Warren. The 15th guy here on this list, however, would also be one Edmund Sumner, who was brought in, coming off the injury, could be healthy, taking a look at him in, a ca- in camp, and certainly in theory, if he comes back, could be a contributor. Watanabe invited into training camp, and then he got Alondez Williams on the two-way, and we're waiting to see what's going to become of DDJ. But those 15 players... And this is why I say philosophically, because people have been calling to add Dwight Howard. They've been saying, go out there and get after Boogie Cousins. Now, if we're talking about the two of them, I'll take Boogie Cousins. I'll believe what he can be when you compliment him around Kevin Durant and Kyrie and these other players. And, and you know, I, it's hard to say bring a physicality. It's not really the style of his game. I think he can have a demonstrative effectiveness to what he brings to the court. I'm not a fan of Dwight Howard. I said it when we got on with the glue guys. And fundamentally, I don't know if the Brooklyn Nets are into the Dwight Howard model when it comes to their bigs. We also talked about this with the glue guys looking at a guy. Uh, I think I should talked about with Josh Lloyd too, when we were going over the season preview. And by the way, 
already maybe some potential egg on my face when you think about DDJ and where he falls into the hierarchy. All of a sudden, you bring a couple of guys into camp, one in Markeith Morris that feels destined to stick with this roster and be a contributor. Things start to get a little bit murkier for someone in DDJ that I thought could be a piece, could be a contributor. And that goes right back tapping into that Edmund Sumner conversation and how that backcourt formulates behind your starters. But fundamentally, I know that there's matchups where it matters, right? How are you going to deal with Joel Embiid? How is anybody going to deal with Joel Embiid, right? There isn't just a Joel Embiid stopper. You try to throw speed bumps in front of him. You try to have a handful of different guys that you can throw waves at him to frustrate him. Same thing with Giannis. You got a guy built to beat Giannis? Maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come back and talk to me. I don't know, you know? No, you don't. So if you're trying to build what your perspective is, as people have been referencing the Kevin Durant quote, you know, the league's built on wings, right? You you bring in more guys, and TJ Warren is included inside of this. Doug did a great episode talking about the low-key value of getting TJ Warren in on this roster and what he could mean for the Brooklyn Nets. Again, a guy who's 6'8". So all of a sudden, the players that you've brought in, and you can even include a guy like Ben Simmons in that conversation simply for the fact that he did not play with this team last year, even though he was brought over in the trade, as we all know. Okay, so you got a guy 6'10 plus. You've also got a guy in TJ Warren. You've also got now a 6'9", Markeith Morris. This is just about adding more size to this roster and not getting beaten up in some of the margin areas that it's inevitable that you're going to call, fall victim to those on a game-to-game basis, and most importantly, on a postseason playoff basis. You're going to run into those issues, and all of the sudden, the things that you can kind of gloss over in the regular season, size deficiencies, defensive deficiencies of certain players, like a Patty Mills in the backcourt, right? They become more glaring when you get to playoff basketball. Now, all of a sudden, while none of these individuals are perfect players, but TJ Warren, a little bit more size and a guy that can go get his own bucket can maybe go ahead and hop into a game and give you 15 to 20 and take over one for you. If you need it, a guy in Markeith Morris who can, again, be a physical presence can rotate through in small ball five and small ball five man lineups for the Brooklyn Nets. That matters. A guy that has a little bit of a shooting touch that has some offensive game to him, at least in comparison to say Nicholas Claxton, all of a sudden those rotations look different. You avoid some of the difficulties of Nicholas Claxton and Ben Simmons potentially being on the court for closing lineup minutes. You have options now. And this is not something that the Nets had last year. The difference between bringing in veteran talent that you could rely on, depend on, go to for uh, specific needs at specific points in key games. Now you feel like they are building a more complimentary roster. And I don't give a crap whether you think that Kevin Durant had an input or influence in how the roster was constructed, whether he does now and he didn't then, or he did then, and now this is Sean Marks, I don't care. This is growing into the best, if not one of, arguably the best version of the Brooklyn Nets roster since acquiring Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That's what this is shaping up to be. And it's not overstating any of these guys. But I am fascinated to see how they're going to approach fleshing this out and what insights we get from camp as that starts to get underway in September. That being the case, the other piece of information was around Joe Harris and a narrative around whether or not he could, would, should, might be traded. I want to tap into that 
And again, continue to tie into to this philosophy around what you're trying to build and how you're trying to look at the biggest area of weakness that you had last year, a lack of size and defensive ability, and start to bolster that up. You know, we, we ran a foul of it ultimately when it came into that backcourt and some of those rotation minutes. Let's talk about that next. So, Joe Harris off the trading block potentially. Article came out. Eh, we'll see if we can track it down here. This one originally came off of Alex Schiffer for the Athletic, reporting that the Nets have, have adamantly said that they're hanging on to Joe Harris, who missed all but 14 games last season because of the ankle injury. Joe Harris has two years left on the four year, $75 million contract that he signed with the Nets in 2020. And we know he's posted a 43.9% rate from distance on his career. Here's what I think is interesting. And again, why the clarity that Kevin Durant coming to the table, squashing the issues, getting back on the court brings to the Brooklyn Nets season. Pre-Kevin Durant wanted to be a part of this. You're in a free-for-all and you're wondering about what the trade packages could look like. And regardless of what you get back in draft picks and capital, you're looking inside the roster and you're talking about Joe Harris and he costs a lot of money, but he could still be really valuable for a championship caliber team. And you're looking at Seth Curry and that team-friendly north of just $8 million deal, one year left. He's a trade asset, older players, veteran, et cetera. Now, now you come right back into it and you say, how good can we be and how valuable can a player like Joe Harris be once again on this roster? Now, in theory, I would tap right back into saying you want to put him into the starting lineup, a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, and I keep, I keep saying at least initially it's Nicholas Claxton in the starting lineup, but then you start to have the flexibility from there. What I think is equally fascinating about it is regardless of what you think about Joe Harris's contract, it's just going to keep looking better and better over these last couple of seasons. You've got the collective bargaining agreement. You're going to see new contracts come in. New money's going to come in. You're going to see guys that are going to come up over the top. When you're thinking about Joe Harris's dollar amount, all of a sudden you're going to turn around here over the next couple of years and you're going to see guys making $18.6 million. Next year, what does he end up in the over these last couple of years of his deal? 19 million in 23, 24, just under 20 million. There's going to be plenty of guys that are exactly his kind of role, his kind of makeup, his kind of skill set, making 20 to 25 over these next couple of seasons. There's no doubt about it. But what becomes interesting about having him on the roster now and adding in some more length at these other positions, including TJ Warren, all of a sudden, I said it earlier. If you can move him on both ends of the floor, I mean, listen, he's going he's to sprint around. He's going to try to get to his spots on the offensive end. But then on the defensive end, listen, he's going to struggle when he gets caught in switches against guards. But at 6'6", six, six, the matchups at the forward positions are often a little bit out of his price range. If you then, though, have these rotations and sequences where you can have Ben Simmons there and you can have Nick Claxton there and you can have... I'm not going to put TJ Warren in the defensive unit, Markeith Morris, but even just let's leave it at this. Kevin Durant, Nicholas Claxton, Ben Simmons, length, 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 and length. Those are your top three positions defensively. You can leave Joe Harris out there when you have the flexibility for the length and reach and switchability of those top three players we talk about. Now, all of a sudden, you can live with Joe Harris trying to keep a guard in front of him, a shooting guard in front of him, and using some of his body, some of his length, some of his size. He's going to get beat a ton on it. 
but he's not going to get worked on the switches the same way that Patty Mills would and get exposed like that on a possession to possession basis. So you, you almost are manufacturing better defensive value for Joe Harris by the other decisions that you've made on this roster. I'll be fascinated to see. And we're still a ways away how this team looks when it gets on the court and how these rotations come into focus. And Doug and I are going to talk about those minutes breakdowns. Here's a good little tease for you. I disagree with some of the minute shares that he's throwing out there. Now we got to factor in Markeith Morris, but I'll be very interested to see how this camp goes. How does what happens with DDJ? That's a big one. How does TJ Warren look? Is he getting back ready to be healthy? And how does Edmund Sumner look? Because those guys there just start to create a little bit of an interesting wrinkle. And let's not sell ourselves short here. There can still be another move coming. If Boogie Cousins is the move, I get it. I'm on board with it. If it's Dwight Howard, I like it less. I can't add more guys that can't shoot. Right? The guys that can't shoot need to be doing something at a very elite level. And I'm not saying that Dwight Howard still can't do things defensively at a very high level. But I can't have another bad free throw shooter. I can't have a lack of perimeter shooting. And for me, I'd have my eye on a guy that's already currently on this roster to fill a particular set of needs. Doug and I will debate that coming up a little bit later in the week. There's some other things that I want to get to here. There's a great article just talking about what to look for in this upcoming season. Maybe Doug and I will tap into that a little bit when we come back later in the week as well. But for the time being, man, I said at the top, adding Markeith Morris, adding TJ Warren, adding effectively Kevin Durant, (laughs) adding Ben Simmons, this team has got a feel about it now. And they've done it early enough here ahead of training camp which is important and why you try to put this stuff away so you can focus on this thing called basketball. Let's bring it together. Let's not be the basketball team that goes out at the deadline and is trying to pick up players, make deals, wait for buyout market guys. I'm not saying that's off the table, but why don't we go ahead and enter in a season feeling like the roster is pretty close to set. I'm not saying this is it just yet, but why don't we go into a season Feeling like this is the team that we run with. We've got some young players coming into their second season. Didn't say anything about Kessler Edwards in this conversation. Didn't overlook it without intention. Want to save that for the minutes breakdowns and the conversation with Doug as we get into that. But you've now you've got a season to see how some young talent develops, to see where some veterans slot in. There's going to be a sliding scale around some of these guys. But having some level of predictability entering a season. Man, does that have incredible value for a team, especially when you have the high-end superstar talent at the top of the roster. You want that, you need that, and maybe for the first time, the Nets are going to get that and be able to put all other concerns off the table, all other speculation off the table, and just hit the ground running this year. Put themselves as a top-four seed right out of the gates and then just try to climb and try to send the message about what this is going to be capable of as it all starts to gel and come together. We will, of course, be back again next time, talking about minutes breakdowns, looking at this roster, debating a couple of positions. Doug and I are going to disagree on a few things. That'll be a good shakedown. In the meantime, you head over to YouTube, you head over to get your podcast needs, you get in the conversation, you get in the comments. We love it. We like it. We want more of it. We want more of this little guy out there, out there on the hardwood doing damage. 
It's Kevin Durant for all you listeners. And as we always say, without Doug Norrie here, there is no quote short of saying that I miss my friend. I can't wait for him to get back here soon so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball.